and the fact of the matter is, and I, and I don't care which system you use because th there are tropical astrologers who get great results, and that that can be for a few reasons, and I can get into those. But the planets are not in two places. The stars are not in two places. They they are where they are. It is a it's a mathematical fact. It's an observable fact. You can go up in the sky. So if, if you're going up in the sky and you're seeing like right now, for example, Saturn is in Capricorn. But you know the tropical system. They're saying it's in, it's in Aquarius. You know, and then they're drawing conclusions based off of that. Well, it's not. You can you can go up because we have to remember astrology first and foremost is based off of the science the mathematical science of astronomy so if you can look up and see that oh saturn's not in that constellation it's not in aquarius it's actually in capricorn well you know what i mean that that's where it is it's not it's not anyone's opinion it's just that that is the observable fact so for me if i'm using the science of astrology and I'm supposed to be basing it off of astronomy and then using that to create a map which I use to interpret things about someone's life to me I sure as shit better have an accurate calculation to begin with otherwise my conclusion that I'm drawing is going to be incorrect you know and that can you know again as those charts <clears throat> get more and more apart over time the accuracy of that western system is going to diminish up until a point like where where it reaches you know it's it's height and then it will slowly start moving closer you know closer back into accuracy over another period of another 12,000 years and eventually it'll align for a short period of time and then it'll it'll repeat the same cycle mm -hmm. if if we were to continue continue to use the two different systems that's how the cycles would go where they would kind of they would revolve around each other yeah just really that you know don't don't ever shun or dismiss a science until you you've properly studied it and tested it so if you're a person that you've kind of just thought astrology oh no that's just something woo woo that's that's fake and you're basing that conclusion based off of like the little horoscope you see in the paper understand one that's not astrology it is a vast science and it takes years of study and research so unless you've done that don't don't dismiss it like be willing to actually look at it with an open mind and be willing to test it because if you're willing to do that you're you're likely to be able to find one of the most valuable tools you could ever apply to your life and i very much encourage everybody to if they don't want to study and become astrologers themselves, at, at least be willing to find a professional astrologer whose insight that you value and get a consultation from them and see what kind of insight they can help bring to your life because it, it might just be something that, that radically shifts the way you look at yourself and your purpose in this world. All right, and welcome to the Vani Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. I'm your host, Shane, coming to you from the Free Republic of Pasnia, the Self-Liberator's Paradise. Uh, as always, that website is Pasnia, P-A-Z-N-I-A dot com. Today, we venture back into the realm of spiritual self-liberation. But before I bring in my guest, uh, a brief introduction. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of times, the best pointer I've gotten in my objective of uh, reversing my so-called type 1 diabetes came from Phoenix Aurelius, a uh, gentleman who practices pagerics and medical astrology. 
uh, one of his colleagues is a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner and uh, was able to pull off the, the so-called incurable. Uh, since that point, I've opened my mind a lot further uh, and explored some of these, uh, these sorts of topics that I would have never given credence to before. Uh, as, I passed al- as I've also passed along, uh, I recently received immense value from past guest Lindsay Sharman uh, in one of her healing ceremonies, and uh, more recently, a Vedic astrology session uh, from Brian Easterday, who just so happens to be my guest for today's discussion. Uh, that said, as is the case with most things, uh, the realm of astrology isn't just one monolithic field, and not all schools of thought are created equal. Uh, the Serval Society has certainly uh, laid out plenty of uh, nonsense and misinformation in this area to deter individuals away from the value that can be added to one's life uh, by an understanding of the sky clock. Uh, this would uh, possibly bring up the tropical versus sidereal astrology debate. And uh, in regards to today's guest, uh, Vedic astrology, a branch of Ayurveda, a, method- a methodology I've become quite interested in. And uh, back in the Ayurveda traditional Chinese medicine days, and possibly there might even be still some of these clinics out, out east, uh, you weren't a real doctor if you didn't also know and understand astrology too. Uh, and yeah, they, the doctors also had their own, uh, you know, herb gardens and stuff. Like, they, they made their own medicines as well. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, how far have we fallen? Uh, after all, when removing the mystical elements, uh, which can sometimes be helpful and useful, we're really talking about timing and the influence of energy at various angles uh, here within our electric universe. Uh, so today with my guest Brian Easterday from the Wizard Factory, uh, we'll talk the basics of astrology, uh, compare and contrast the differences between tropical and sidereal, and why he chooses to use the latter. Uh, what can be gleaned from an astrology chart in regards to life and liberation, uh, the rundown on Vedic astrology, and uh, whatever else we happen to get into today. A um, couple quick notes from a current read uh, that I'm diving into myself. Uh, it's called Essentials of Medical Astrology, uh, part of a uh, Vedic astrology series by Dr. K.S. Chirac. Uh, and uh, these just short two quotes will give you a little more of an idea of what, I guess, at least in the, in the Vedic astrology, medical astrology realm. Um, I guess some of their some of their views uh, for the one balanced in food and recreation who is restrained in his actions whose sleep and waking are regulated there ensues a discipline which destroys all ailments and that's from Gita v1-17 and uh, this other brief one uh, disease undesired happenings excessive physical labor and disassociation from the objects of desire uh, these four causes these four cause physical torments and that's from the Oh, gosh, the pronunciation here. Mahabharata, um, Aranya Parva, Chapter 2, SL22. Uh, so, yeah, certainly a different perspective uh, on things, and uh, I, that's one reason I appreciate it so much. So, uh, without further ado, Brian, welcome to the Vani Podcast, my friend. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Shane, for having me on. <clears throat> Not a problem. Um, I'm excited to do the discussion. Um, and, yeah, I, as far as those those quotes go on, on the two books, the uh, – the Mahabharata is like a um, a larger uh, epic or or text that is kind of giving a story, and then the Bhagavad Gita is an excerpt or a one chapter from that. So that'll that'll clarify for the guests like cool. where those where those are coming from. Yes, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, that was something I tossed in at the very last minute. I guess I could have could have gone and looked into that, but uh, um, yeah, oh, yeah, appreciate no, it. No worries. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. So yeah, the yeah. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, I was saying the the Vedic texts are definitely uh, a subject that can get a a little bit confusing sometimes because there's so many different ones written in different time periods. So uh, I always like to try to clarify. So if people do go try to look it up, it's easier for them to navigate to that. 
Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. And uh, again, you know, going back to the, I guess, the, the fact that, you know, astrology is not just, you know, like one field. Um, within Vedic astrology, within this Essentials of Medical Astrology book, there's like four different charts. There's a North Indian one, a South Indian. There's like, there's all sorts of ways to approach it. Um, and I guess everyone has their, their own preferences and perspectives based on, on, on their experiences. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive field. It's a massive field. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to dig more into it today. So uh, I guess, uh, but first, Brian, uh, I guess, would you mind by uh, beginning with a uh, brief introduction? Uh, who are you? What do you do? And uh, I guess tell us a bit about uh, your path here. Sure. So uh, over the last, few, you know, I, I come from a background, a general occult background in, in hermeticism, teaching cosmic law, um, Norse paganism, and, and in really type of animist or, and uh, pagan philosophy. Uh, when I was first beginning my my teaching path, Vedic astrology was kind of a one of the tools in my toolbox that I was using. But over the years, as I've researched more and more and and done more consultations and things it's really kind of developed into my my passion and my focus which is one of the reasons i i was actually i'm in the process of rebranding actually and i'm no longer doing anything on the on the wizard factory uh so if people are wanting to continue and follow my work my my new channel eye of the storm astrology that's actually premiering november 16th at 3 45 p.m so um I have it set up to premiere and everything because I still have a few little things I'm putting in place, but that that'll be coming out here, you know, in the next week and a half or so. Um, so, so I'm moving my focus more in towards uh, focusing just on Jyotish, just on Vedic astrology, um, and the the area I like to focus on most. If if there was to if I could quantify it into kind of one overarching area. Uh, for me, the development of the soul and the consciousness, uh, the karmas a person has come here to experience, their dharma, those those are the things that fascinate me most about a chart. You know, some people are very into, um, you know, predicting when someone's going to get money or or whatever that may be, and and those things have their place. But for me, the most fascinating way to use this science. Um, and, and that's what it is. It is the science of all sciences. The most fascinating way to use it is to to see why we came here, like as a soul, as an Atma, what are our karmas? What are the lessons we're here to experience? And how are those going to help us develop and expand our, our consciousness and our awareness? Um, you know, one thing I always say is that awareness creates choice. Like you can summarize everything going on in the universe. There's awareness creates choice. So awareness, consciousness, and choice, free will go hand in hand. And for those of us who are wanting to create more freedom in this world, it's absolutely essential that we begin with that education process, that awareness, because then we have more ability to exercise our free will, to exercise our choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely true. And I I remember, um, in the, in the reading that you did for, um, for me, uh, you mentioned, and, and I thought it was a, a really, really valuable insight that, um, you know, like you're you're not injecting like, you know, like these characteristics or like your, you know, what you are, who you are isn't bad. Um, but it's basically how you decide, how you decide to, um, I guess, how you decide to act, uh, ha- act on those things. It can be, it can be good or it can be bad. Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. Right every, every planet sign placement combination has, has a higher expression and a lower expression. And it's, you know, the, that's the whole purpose of astrology is to create that awareness. So we then have the choice to, you know, 
act from our highest self or to uh, try to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And this ties into, I, this would tie into kind of the natural law, um, I guess, area too. And uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of where I, I came to came, came at this, this came at this from is um, kind of the, you know, the, the mm -hmm. anarchist perspective. Uh, uh, I guess the first presentation I really watched on natural law was obviously Mark Passio's, where I think a lot of people's um, introduction to that subject was. Mm -hmm. And uh, then obviously his, he, he goes, uh, you know, much more in depth on, on other things, which, you know, other related subjects. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always found that that highly valuable. Um, so I guess uh, um, you come from that that same sort of perspective, the liberty kind of natural law area, too, if I if I if I yep. understand correctly. So could you could you speak to that and how that ties into yep. uh, what you do? Abs absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, cosmic law, universal law, they are. Those are the things which permeate everything. So for me. And, and this is where I kind of differ a little bit as a Vedic astrologer compared to traditional ones is uh, within the, the Vedic system, they teach you know, all of the hermetic principles are taught. They're just not called the hermetic principle, you know, as above, so below. All of that's in there in, in its own version in the original Sanskrit. So when I started uh, looking at the lessons within the Vedic system and seeing that, oh, you know, this is, you know, these are the exact same laws. These are the same understandings. They just you know, they're not calling it the hermetic principles or, or natural law or whatever. They're just referring to these as just, this is the way the universe works. So when I realized that, and then as I started studying charts and seeing it, I, I actually found that Vedic astrology was by far the most useful science available to, to occultist or, or as, as human beings for the study of cosmic law. You can, you can go through the signs and see the play between the masculine and the feminine, you know, the internal and the external. And, and I do different videos where I, I kind of break these things down. Um, in, even in, in my, uh, learning the foundations astrology course that I, I taught my, one of my very first sections I started with is why Vedic astrology is a study of cosmic law. And I went through each of the principles and, and showed how we can view those and see those in a chart. So to me, there, there's something that is inseparable that if, if we really want to have an understanding of natural law of cosmic law, in my opinion, Vedic astrology is an essential study because there, there is no other science that allows you to see cosmic law in its entirety and understand it in such an intricate and detailed way. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at the macrocosm to understand the microcosm and, through the microcosm, understanding the macrocosm, like that's li that's literally what astrology is. Like astrology is literally the the study of the principle of mentalism. It's the study of the law of correspondence. Mm -hmm. Like you can go through each of them, and and every single one is included, and it, it's utterly fascinating to me because when you you start to view astrology through that lens, you get so much more out of it than the traditional way through which astrologers look at and interpret a chart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I guess the, the element that I found interesting, especially with Ayurveda, is um, that, uh, you know, you mentioned natural law, you know, cause and effect, karma, these these things. Um, I guess my obviously the, the general perception is that, you know, you you um, you know, you, you send and you go to hell or you send and you, you know, you go you go to heaven or whatever. That's kind of the Western perspective. But you tie in Ayurveda with it. And it's not like it's not just like a one life, one life's journey and it's over. 
It's uh, um, especially with mm-hmm. Ayur- Ayurveda. I mentioned on this podcast before that type one, so-called type one diabetes, one of the the variants, you know, one of the classific, one of the many subclassifications. Uh, unlike Western medicine, which just classifies it as just you know one type one diabetes, is it? Um, they have you know twenty some classification subclassifications and four main classifications, and one of them, um, the juvenile diabetes, is is related to um, pat like past life sins or sins of parents. So like. That's kind of that's an interesting mm. angle too. Is that like and, and it kind of lends credence to that like um, you know um, you know where it's I guess here to correct things too, right? Um, here to 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 correct correct things that have, um, to to balance out that 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 uh, you know that that's uh, the effects that we had uh, in previous lives per se. A- absolutely, yeah. The you know the Vedic um, definitely is based off of the the understanding you know that that we are an Atma, that, that we've always been, you know, there, there's always Purushara and Prakriti, the, the masculine and the feminine, the, the observer and that which is observed, the experiencer and that which is experienced. Cause to have an experience, you, you have to have an experiencer. There has to be a consciousness there to have that experience in the first place for that consciousness to have that experience in the, in the first place, it has to have something in which to experience. So Purushara and Prakriti, the, these are, are timeless and more. They have no beginning, no end. And this is the same understanding that modern science has when we say energy can never be created mm-hmm. or destroy, destroyed. It's, it's, it's the same thing. This is what Krishna is talking about in the Gita when he, when he's telling Arjuna, uh, the nature of reality. And that there, there are these things. Um, and when you see that and you see the, the purpose of everything is the development of conscious. It's to experience so we can learn, so we can grow. Incarnation is the only thing that really makes sense when you logically think about it. And you can look around in nature and see various things through which to see this. You know, like you can, you can see that the sun rises every day and that it sets every day. You can see that the seasons change. You can, you can observe death and rebirth everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Um, but our karmas, you can think of them as a, uh, they're, they're the effects to our actions. Cause if, if we're the experiencer in order to ex- uh, experience, we, we have to, we have to do something. If we do something, if we take action, that's a cause we've put out. Because we've put out a cause, there's an effect we have to experience. And it's this cycle that builds. It's like you could think of um, our karma. And, and this is a, a very good way to understand like free will and karma. And that free will by its very nature kind of limits itself. And, and this is why. Because if we exercise our free will, we take an action, there has to be a reaction to that. There has to be an effect for every, every cause has its effect. So imagine you want to go to like a restaurant one day. So you get in your car and you, you start to, you know, you pull, pull out on the road. So you have initiated some motion in order to go achieve that action. There's some momentum starting to build there. And as you're driving down the road, you decide you want to get there a little bit faster. So you hit the gas pedal. Now you're speeding up faster and then you may get distracted and all of a sudden you see that restaurant you're wanting to turn at, but it, the turns right there. And if you were to try to just slam on the brakes and turn, you're probably going to wreck. Well, many times this is, this is kind of how our, our karma can be. We can, we have the free will to change our karma, but we also build up momentum. 
So when we put out so much of a cause, we have to deal with those effects because those are there. So in that case, if we wanted to get to the restaurant, we would have to slow down the car. We might have to go down to the next turn and turn around and come back, you know, and then turn in, you know, and that's just like life. You know, someone might be, they might, you know, be an addict or something, right? They have a lot of momentum built up on this path and it's not, you know, some people can slam the brakes and maybe do it, but other people might have to slow down and try to make the turn, you know, because we, we've built up that momentum. So we have to deal with the effects of that momentum and then try to put new causes out there so we can start experiencing new effects, but it's not an instantaneous process. So this is what every lifetime is, is us dealing with the effects of all our all of our actions that we've done, the momentum of all of that, and then trying to figure out how, how can we learn the lessons from these so we can then start to steer that momentum in a conscious way to actually achieve the goals that we want to achieve and get to the destination that we want to reach. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and I guess the, the next question, I, which I think the listeners will certainly appreciate is, is in which we've, we've kind of already talked about. And it's, uh, it's definitely on a larger scale picture, a uh, better understanding of, uh, you know, the, the universe and the world we find ourselves in. But um, I guess uh, uh, what value has Vedic astrology brought to your life specifically? If you could speak to that. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a, I Big could question. speak for a while on that one. So, I mean, first and foremost, knowledge of the self. It, it was something through which not only allowed me to understand myself, but start to actually love and accept myself to see where, you know, where were my strengths and where are my weaknesses and how, how could I turn a weakness into a strength? How could a strength that I was using actually have been a weakness because I was misusing it? Gaining that self-awareness was you know, I, you couldn't ever put a price tag on something like that. And then secondly, you know, awareness of others, because when you can go and look at your chart and understand that you can then go start to look at other people's charts and see them in an intimate way. And you're not, you're not looking at the, the body you're, you're looking at someone's soul, like the path of a soul that through hundreds or thousands of lifetimes has built up this momentum to have this experience in this incarnation. And you are look, you're looking at the essence of that. You can see the, what karmas they're going to experience and when they're going to experience those and what are the lessons for that. And it's, it's like being able to see the most beautiful, like, and put together the most beautiful puzzle you could imagine. Um, it's absolutely invaluable. And, and obviously being able to understand the self and others that that is understanding the universe itself. So it's, you know, there's, there's no area of life. Astrology can't bring insight into, I mean, I, I apply it in my business. I apply it in my relationships, my parenting, the everywhere, because it's, it's a universally applicable science. And, you know, it's life would not be nearly as rich without the understanding of it, at least from my perspective. To me, it it just makes things so much more beautiful because you can, it's like you can see all the threads in a tapestry and how they all come together in order to actually give that picture of reality. And Mm -hmm. it, it, 
I mean, just what a beautiful thing to be able to see. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So I, I guess we should probably get into some, some nuts and bolts here. Um, uh, so I sure. guess, uh, basics of astrology, uh, and, and I'll, I'll let you, you kind of field, uh, you've, you're, you know, more about it than, than I do, but, you know, maybe some, some definitions, you know, I know a lot of uh, the common, the common ones, transit, transits, oppositions, et cetera. Um, kind of give us, uh, you know, the, the Vedic astrology, or I guess just astrology 101, and, uh, then we'll kind of, uh, get more specific as we go. Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah, as far as 101 goes, if you're just wanting me to get into kind of like the the basic components of what make a chart, mm-hmm. um, the basic components would be, one, you have uh, the houses, which the houses, you know, and I'll try to give just a very short, brief explanation of each. The houses, there's 12 different houses because you, you're taking the sky, you're splitting in it into 12 30-degree segments, so you get 12 houses. Each house is associated with a different area of your life. Then you have what are known, what we call the Rashis, or these are the, the common zodiac signs that everybody knows, Aries, Taurus, you know, Gemini, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, you then have the Grahas, the planets, um, and in Vedic astrology, we use nine of those, although there are Neo-Vedic astrologers that also include the outer planets, but in the traditional school of thought of Vedic astrology, we count the seven visible Grahas, the ones you can see with your eyes, and then also... Rahu and Ketu, which are the north and south node of the moon. Um, but those aren't actual, they're not real planets. They're mathematical points on where the, um, where the solar and lunar ecliptics cross. So where, you know, the sun goes below the ecliptic, that becomes the south node of the moon when it passes, you know, on its path and it goes below the ecliptic. When it goes above, it becomes Rahu. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you have those. Then we also have, what are known as nakshatras. So the Rashis, the regular zodiac signs, the, this is the zodiac belt, or it's the, the path that um, the constellations that the sun cross goes through at, on its ecliptic, on the solar ecliptic. The nakshatras are lunar constellations. So these are constellations that the moon goes through on its ecliptic. And you can kind of, one way, and this is the only way you should think about them, because nakshatras are just a huge, huge subject in, in and of themselves. But one way to think of them that is helpful is kind of like the gears behind each of the signs, each of the Rashis. There are two and one quarter nakshatras um, behind each of the Rashis. So this is understanding these will kind of help people like when, if they're coming from the tropical or the Western system, many people will say, oh, I was born on a cusp. So I kind of feel like this sign. I kind of feel like that sign. I don't really know which which I am. More than likely, it's because they were born in a chakra that actually bridges between those signs. When you see the signs go from masculine to feminine, like, for example, like Aries is a masculine sign. It's associated with the element of fire. And then Taurus is a feminine sign associated with the element of earth. There's an Akshatra Kritika, which goes between those. Well, why would that be? Because... It, it helps it helps as like a transition f- from the masculine to the feminine you know and, and vice versa and then there are three areas within the chart where there that it just stops suddenly and those are known as gandata points but that's kind of another subject um so you have these nakshatras here as well and the nakshatras will really give you the essence of something because you know two leos aren't going to be alike you know, they could be, you know, they could have be in a Maga Nakshatra or Purva Falguni or Tara Falguni. Um, 
So each of those have their own flavor. So it's just, it's important to understand that each one of these things that we have in astrology is like a layer of information. And then by looking at them all together, you can, you can start to assemble, you know, each of them will have their own qualities. And then you start to assemble those together, kind of like when you're cooking and you have a bunch of different seasonings and then you, you start blending a little bit of, you know, uh, salt and a little bit of pepper, you know, or whatever the seasoning may be in there. And then based on the ratio and the combination of those seasonings that gives it its unique flavor. It's the same thing with an astrology chart. You know, it's kind of like, uh, looking at your cosmic, you know, the cosmic flavor that, that you are as, as an individual. Um, so those are the, the basic components, you know, uh, again, Vedic astrology is just, we have so many different things because we, we also have like the Varga charts, the divisional charts, like the Navamsha and the Shatamsha and things like that, where they're charts that look at specific things like career, marriage, and that type of stuff. We, we have Dasha cycles, uh, we have yogas, which yogas are planetary combinations. And they we've recognized that when there's certain planetary combinations or certain exchanges happening in the chart, it can create what's called a yoga, which it, like, it means to bring together. And that yoga will deliver a certain karma. Like, you know, for example, there there's yogas for wealth. So you could see that in someone's chart and you could see that, okay, so they have a dawn yoga. They could potentially get some wealth. So then you you can, the yoga can tell you like what karma but then we have like dasha cycles, which are planetary time periods. The dasha cycle will tell So the yoga tells you what the dasha cycle tells you when, you know, and then we, you know, we have other tools for evaluating that and qualifying, whether it's going to be like a little bit of wealth or a lot of wealth and, and things like that, that go to. So it's, there's so many tools. I, I couldn't just begin to really name them all, but, but the basic ones for a simple understanding would be the, the houses, the Rashis, which are the signs, the Grahas, which are the planets, and and the Nakshatras. Those those would be the big four that if you were wanting to start looking into Vedic astrology, that that is where you want to start. Unmute myself on the on the recorder. Um, but yeah, and I guess I should mention that uh, I've, I've, I, I, and I, I don't have a, an under, I couldn't, I can't read charts myself. I, I don't know all the, all the definitions and where, especially, especially with just like sidereal astrology, not even talking about, you know, um, Vedic astrology where you kind of have to have a, you have to learn a second language kind of, it seems. Um, and it's, it's a whole different, yes. it's, it's a whole new, like, especially just the, med, just the medical astrology thing. It's like, it's a new study. Like it's, it's starting from, from ground zero for me. So um, I guess mm-hmm. uh, um, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, you don't have to, you know, be able to do all these things to, to, to gain value from, um, to, from Vedic astrology or, um, or, or, uh, yeah, you know, just astrology, not astrology generally. Um, not that you, not that you, you couldn't yeah. or shouldn't, but, um, but, uh, you don't have to, it's not, uh, it, 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 it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that complex. That's why we have folks like Brian who can help us, uh, um, help us, uh, break these things down. So, um, it, and, and, well, and even within, um, the Vedic, What's really important to understand about Vedic astrology is that it's <clears throat> it's not just astrology. It's it, that is just one arm of the Vedas, or you know, it's known as the eye of the Vedas because it's it's what allows it's what allows vision, it allows consciousness to see. There's also other arms of the Vedas which focus on uh, how to speak properly, etymology, th- those type of areas. So it it's really a holistic approach to life, and astrology being 
one right. area within that. And then within astrology is a huge number of sciences. But even for the a person who doesn't want to become a, a Vedic astrologer, reading the Bhagavad Gita or looking at those things, they they explain the it's more than just astrology. They're explaining the essence of life. So there's value for anyone, even if you aren't necessarily wanting to study Vedic astrology specifically, uh, there, all of the Vedas, all that knowledge is still there. So it's not only limited to astrology. So right. just to clarify for people on that, that even if it's not, that's not the science you're wanting to look at, there's still lots and lots of value. Like you said, Shane, that you could, you could glean from this, uh, school of thought. Right, right. And, and, and Ayurveda, I think, is the science of life, right? Um, so, um, yeah, Ayurveda is, yeah, like the focus of like just medical astrology, uh, being the healthiest you can be, you know, bringing the, the sciences of yoga and astrology and, you know, healthy eating and all of these things kind of together into one holistic practice. Yep. Yep, definitely, definitely. So, so um, I guess the uh, I said it doesn't have to be complex, but I know like it, and it's it seems it's it's anyway, anyway. Um, this this brings gets gets into the tropical inside real discussion. I didn't know there was two. I didn't know there was two of them, but I was listening to a podcast, and uh, I it was it was uh, Athen Comente was on there, and he was like, uh, it's like yeah, so like uh, you know, if you look at tropical, such and such might be entering this sign, but that's not actually what's happening in the sky. Like that's not actually that's not actually what's occurring. It's actually in this sign. That's like I thought I was like. Hold on a second. What's going on here? Like, so, so the, what's going on? So I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't quite sure if tropical was a scam. Kind of was kind of my initial inclination. Um, holy shit, is that a scam? Of course it is. But I'm not sure if I'm there anymore. But um, I guess I've heard that. Um, I, I guess I've heard that. I've heard that tropical is highly effective when it comes to like 3D and material things. Um, whereas sidereal or Vedic astrology is more for, as you were saying, like, like the life and soul type things. Um, so I guess, uh, I'll, I'll kind of turn it over, turn it over to you. Um, I guess, could you talk, I guess, speak to the differences between tropical and sidereal and, um, I guess, uh, if there's any role for tropical in your view. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that's, this is a, a huge discussion itself. So I'll try to do it justice in, in a, a short, short period of time that, <laughs> to where we don't get too far off into it. But if you want to look at the the essence or the basics of the difference, it's that the the two systems calculate the zodiac differently. So the tropical system uh, places the beginning of Aries like March twenty first on the vernal equinox, so it <clears throat> is more kind of aligned with the seasons. But we have to understand when you're studying astrology, the seasons on Earth aren't the thing that we're studying. We're trying. We're trying to study the sky. So sidereal astrology is based. Sidereal means it's based on the stars. So how we do our calculations in sidereal astrology, and and there are different schools of of thought in this. But to, to keep it basic here, we use what are known as called, called as ionomsas. So an ionomsa is where we're calculating the apparent movement of fixed stars over a period of time. So there are certain stars that we can we can measure these off of different and these are yogataras which are like the main stars that are within nakshatras so these stars are what we call fixed stars and in, in the fact that they don't move they're they're there and we we can measure them consistently so that's why we use that as our foundation and we have to keep in mind that everything the whole universe is moving the whole cosmos is spinning and moving and projecting itself through space so 
if we're basing the exact same measurement every single year off of off of a season, we're we're not going to have an al- accurate calculation all of the time. Most of the time, actually, we won't have an accurate calculation. We will a very very small portion of the time if we do that. Um, so the these stars move apparently move backwards one degree every seventy two years. So this get this is where you get the difference in the tropical and the sidereal. And right now it's currently at about 24 degrees, but again, in you know, rough roughly 72 years, just for easy demonstration of the point, it'll be 25 degrees. And then another 72 years, it'll be 26, and so on and so forth, until it moves all the way across. So it takes an entire uh entire Yuga, tw- entire like just under 26,000 year cycle for for these two zodiacs to actually become completely aligned. The last time they were aligned was around 2000 years ago. So the the two zodiacs when like the Greeks were using their astrology um and then Indians obviously had 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 their astrology for quite a while. Those two zodiacs were aligned for a while. And that's where we can actually see the adoption of the Rashi system. Um that actually came from like uh Arabic or Middle Eastern astrology and both the the Greeks and the Indians picked up the Rashi system from that. Whereas previously the Indian astrology, Vedic astrology had been a lunar based uh, astrology based on the Nikshatras. But then they, they saw that it worked well and then they pinned the two systems together. And then, you know, from there they've kept up the calculations with the movements of those fixed stars. So, you know, uh, roughly, you know, 12, thousand years or so from now, you know, the tropical system will be complete. It, it'll be completely opposite. You know, they'll say that, you know, oh, the moon's in Libra, but really the moon will be all the way on the other side of the sky in Aries, you know, and it's not that way right now. Cause this is something that happens over a long period of time, but it is, it is 24 degrees off. So, and the fact of the matter is, and I, and I don't care which system you use because th- there are tropical astrologers who get great results and that, that can be for a few reasons and I can get into those, but the planets are not in two places. The stars are not in two places. They, they are where they are. It is a, it's a mathematical fact. It's an observable fact. You can go up in the sky. So if if you're going up in the sky and you're seeing like right now, for example, Saturn is in Capricorn. But, you know, the tropical system, they're saying it's it's in Aquarius, you know, and then they're drawing conclusions based off of that. Well, it's not. You can you can go up because we have to remember astrology first and foremost is based off of the science, the mathematical science of astronomy. So if you can look up and see (laughs) that, oh, Saturn's not in that constellation, it's not in Aquarius, it's actually in Capricorn. Well, you know what I mean? That that's where it is. It's not, it's not anyone's opinion. It's just that that is the observable fact. So for me, if I'm using the science of astrology and I'm supposed to be basing it off of astronomy and then using that to create a map, which I use to interpret things about someone's life to me, I sure as shit better have an accurate calculation Mm -hmm. to begin with. Otherwise my conclusion that I'm drawing is going to be incorrect. You know, and that can, you know, again, as those charts get more and more apart over time, the accuracy of that Western system is going to diminish up until a point like where where it reaches, you know, it's 
its height and then it will slowly start moving closer you know closer back into accuracy over another period of another 12,000 years and eventually it'll align for a short period of time and then it'll it'll repeat the same cycle mm-hmm. if if we were to continue continue to use the two different systems that's how the cycles would go where they would kind of they would revolve around each other But uh, that's, I, I think, at least a short, basic explanation yeah, of the main difference between the two. You know, again, there's there's a whole lot more to, you know, like in the Vedic system, we also have mythology and mantras. And, you know, again, a lot of the other tools that I was talking about that just tropical astrologers, they, they just don't have those tools available to them. Uh, the tradition hasn't been as well preserved as the Vedic culture has, where it's been passed down from guru to student over and you know for for thousands and thousands of years and you know it's really based off of that's why the language of sanskrit is so important sanskrit literally it translates to the perfected language it it, that's why it is so essential and important to understanding it because that's languages can change very easily Mm -hmm. you know so the knowledge can be lost in in the ebb and flow of time but if you can have a language that that stays perfect and that you pass that knowledge down, it allows that knowledge to be preserved in a more pure way. And that's, that's it. That's what we're dealing with in Vedic astrology. Um, so it's, it's not just that we have the correct mathematical calculation. It's that we have so much history and, and language and other tools and just so, so many other beautiful things to go with it, that it, it's just, it's such a richer system, you know, or at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, 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 that was a, yeah, a terrific, terrific explanation. That was, that was my, my viewpoint too. If like, if, if we're studying nature, right, if we're observing nature, then, and you're not observing nature, then like, I, I don't know. Uh, but so yeah, that just, it seemed, right. it seemed, it seemed off to me immediately. It seemed off to me immediately. Think, right. A good way to think about it would be like, if you, um, had someone like you say you were going to like, look at the weather, right. And someone was saying it's going to, Oh, it's going to rain, you know, and then you're basing you're basing your decision of oh I need to get a raincoat or I need to be inside or whatever based off of that prediction. But what if the guy was calculating the weather for you know a state away? Yeah. Well, that's not the same weather you're going to have because the calculation's off. You need to look at the calculation of where you are and prepare according to what you are going to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's also interesting too. We we're just uh, in the Pasnia committee correspondence chat. Someone brought up uh, you know you had different language, you know, potentially, you know, a, a different language outside of English, which um, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that it's basically just spellcraft at this point. Um, but uh, I was like, I've, yeah. I've, I've had the, I've had the, I've had the desire for like months now. Like I want to learn Sanskrit and I want to learn Latin. Like those are two, two languages that I really want to learn. Yeah. Um, getting back to, and I guess this would be another reason why I, I, I wanted, I guess I wanted to read, like I, I, I wanted to, ch- I want to be able to see and read the Bible. Um, just out of curiosity, like in un, as as untranslated as possible, and same thing with um, with sure. Vedic astrology texts, because um, yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously things are very you know, things are very easily corrupted, um, and uh, and the further yeah, the further absolutely. you get away, the the further the the further you get away, the the more bastardized it seems it gets. So um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I guess absolutely. that's another reason to read to learn Sanskrit. And I guess I knew that, but I didn't I didn't make the connection. But um, yeah. <laughs> Um, very good. So, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly appreciate that, that, uh, that overall explanation. Um, and, uh, I, I guess we're, we're kind of on the same page. Um, I don't really, I didn't have an explanation like that, but I just, it just seemed off. It seemed off. Um, so I guess the, the follow up question. Well, I, 
Thank you. <laughs> so that's all it takes is that, that little bit of critical thinking. And then you just start observing like, like, just like you said, well, if we're observing nature, shouldn't we be observing what's actually there? Yeah. Yeah. You exactly. know, and that's, that's the sidereal. Exactly. So then I, I guess that the follow-up question I had on my notes and, and, and is basically, so do you see any need for tropical astrology? And it sounds like, um, there may like, or maybe there is for the time when it overlaps and it's useful, but otherwise, uh, um, otherwise, uh, not really is that kind of the, kind of what I'm, I'm getting. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily go and make, uh, a, a total blanket statement like that. Cause I, there are some wonderful tropical astrologers. I'm, I'm good friends with some very wonderful tropical astrologers and, and they do have their own things, uh, in there that are useful that you can, you know, especially, and you know, one area I'll give credence to, uh, in tropical astrology is they're bringing in the use of the outer planets more, you know, of Neptune, Uranus and Pluto. Um, they very much use those a lot more. So I, I think a lot of great research on those uh, grahas has been, has been done through the field sure. of tropical astrology. Um, but I, I think there's some reasons why just if there are very good tropical astrologers, why they get the results they have. So one of the, one of the understandings we come to in Vedic astrology is that people, you know, we have karmas, we have this momentum built up in life and it may be our Dharma or our karma to, be an astrologer. In fact, astrology is, it's such an advanced science that w- without previous life karmas and works towards it, you're not going to be a Vedic astrologer. You know, you're, you're not going to be an astrologer at all. It's a divine science. So you have to have a lot of good karma built up in that, you know, to, to be able to really find your way into the science and to find a good teacher and, and those type of things. So, People who are great astrologers that are practicing through the tropical system, they very well could have just past life karmas to be a healer. You know, they, they came here to be a healer or they, they could be repaying, you know, they could have harmed people in a past life and the way they're repaying it. in this one is by being able to give, give them that reading. So what we have to understand with astrology is it's not just only a left brain science to be a good astrologer. You have to have an intuition as well. You have to be able to feel the subtlety in a chart and, and see, feel like, cause you can see, you can see a million different things in a chart, but what's that thing that you need to say, mm-hmm. right? You know, they may not, they don't need to hear everything. They may just need to hear that one thing. So that's where the intuition comes in. So many tropical astrologers who are, are doing brilliant readings and things, it, a lot of that is going to be due to just intuition at that they have the karma the Dharma to, to be a healer, to be able to help people and that they may have that karma with that person, that contract that this is, they were supposed to provide that service to that person in order to to help guide them. Mm -hmm. And what they may be saying, maybe what that person needs to hear at that time. Like I, I get so many clients that they've been familiar with the tropical system, you know, for years and years, sometimes decades, they've been practicing it. And it was useful for them during that time, but then they come and they'll get a consult from, from me. And then all of a sudden their, their mind's just blown and they're like, Oh, this just, there was all this and that was useful, but I see how, how this is all lining now. This is much more clear, you know, and, and you can see that in, you know, a, a good way to do it is to just take your own birth chart, you know, look at a tropical birth chart and then look at a sidereal birth chart and, and you, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not telling anyone, I will never tell anyone to just believe me. This is a science and a science means it can be tested and the results can be verified. 
So go test the two systems, you know, see which one resonates more, you know, and, and keep in mind to truly test Vedic. You have to, you can't, you can't test Vedic astrology through the simple lens of tropical astrology. And I don't mean to be insulting when I'm saying that, but tropical astrology only has so many tools. They only have so many layers so much. So that they've, they've lost the essence of a lot of things. You know, they don't have the yogas, the divisional charts, the nakshatras, like all, all of that stuff is missing. So there's so many more layers of information that with the Vedic that, that you can see, and you can see how that lines up. So you really have to truly, truly actually test both systems and see which one works for you. But time and time again, I, I get the results from people that, that it's the sidereal is what they end up being. You, you can even see a lot of different professional astrologers out there that they started in tropical astrology for a while. And then they found out about Vedic astrology. And once they learned about it, they immediately switched because it, they, something clicked with them of like, Oh, this is, this is what I really need to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely different. I'm not sure if you've, uh, I came across something called human design, um, on a podcast a while back and I, you know, did the, you know, I, I put in the information, looked at the chart and it was fascinating. They had, you know, all sorts of cool explanations. And, uh, then I came across, it was probably like six months later, another podcast is so, some guy was like, yeah, you know, I built this, I built an actual human design built based off of sidereal. So I went and put it in and it's totally effing different. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly not, uh, <laughs> It's uh, certainly not the the simplest thing, um, and the, 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 I guess the the, the simplest. Right. There's lots of uh, lots of uh, I guess lots of confusion. At least there was for me, uh, but uh, maybe not confusion, more so clarification. But uh, um, yeah, and mm -hmm. I guess the uh, oh gosh, um, I don't remember where I was uh, where I was going to go with that. But uh, I guess the the, <laughs> nec the next thing that, that I guess the um, and I wanted to, I wanted to kind of make this more even more concrete for for, for the listeners uh, even beyond what we're talking about now. And I kind of mentioned uh, alluded to it in my introduction. But um, so you're familiar with spagyrics, I take it. Um, I guess the the uh, um, alchemy of the plant kingdom. Um, well, the reason I bring it up, I mentioned Phoenix Aurelius. Um, is uh, like when you incorporate things like Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. Like we're not just talking about you know these these um you know these out there influences like they don't really have an impact down here as we've, as we've been talking about but like traditional chinese medicine the planets all have organ correspondences um and uh you know mm -hmm. the various plants and herbs that they would use for use for treatment um a lot of that is based off of uh, off of timing so um, maybe maybe the best time for this particular formulation the, the plant needs to be planted at this time when such and such is in such and such um, or maybe, and then maybe it has to be harvested at, at the full moon or, or whatever. Like we're talking about timing here, right? Um, you yeah. know, the, the timing and, you know, when, mm -hmm. the, what, what, what energies the plant has accumulated in that time on earth and when the best time, you know, to, to harvest that for the, for the medical purpose. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. fundamentally we're just, we're talking about timing here. So I, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on that. Actually, I, I love that you brought that up because you, you can actually see that with the Vedic astrology there, there's actually because it, it takes place over the period of thousands and thousands of years. Like this is a very, it's a very, very old science. So originally in the Vedic system, the Vedas, how astrology was used. And, and this is why it was a lunar based. It was a nakshatra based um, system is that it was all about, that was the whole purpose of it was timing of when to know when to do the yagna, when to do the ritual, the sacrifice, you know, whatever it is. So like you said, harvesting, you know, when the moon is full and it might be in the, you know, Shatabhishek Nakshatra or, you know, whatever the case may be that all the, 
the purpose of astrology originally was to, it, it was the calendar. It was all about knowing where we are in time and space. So we know when to do the ritual. And so we can do that properly. So we can align with things. And we see that even still today, you can go to, um, you know, like any little place that sells like magazines or something like that. And you'll see a copy of a farmer's almanac. Well, that farmer's almanac will have like phases of the moon and things mm -hmm. in there. Farmers like to this day will still plant according to the phases of the moon. Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? Well, because it has an effect, you know, so this, that was the original purpose of astrology for in, in the Vedic context. And then as it developed through the years, it became more about also being able to apply that in a psychological way and to be able to create a horoscope and then, uh, look at astrology for as that type of tool. So there's actually kind of two different schools of thought with that, that there's the earlier school of thought, which is all about using it as a calendar and timing and to know when to do the, the rituals properly. The later school of thought being how do we apply this psychologically and use it for the development of the soul? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, I guess, uh, to, to get, I, I want to talk a little bit, talk more about, uh, I guess your, uh, what, I guess your application specifically, um, of Vedic, of, uh, of Vedic astrology, if someone were to do, a, to do a reading with you, um, I know, uh, in the couples reading that, uh, um, that, that I did, um, you focus a lot on masculine and feminine. So I guess, could you talk a little bit about your specific approach and, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So I have you know, I, I do, I offer different types of consultations. You know, I offer anything from like, like you mentioned, like relationship consultations for couples. Um, uh, I do like a Ruta Lagna readings, you know, business consultations, um, and stuff, but my, my general overarching goal and area of focus that I like to focus on is the path of the soul. Like, what's the essence of this person? Why did they come here? What are the karmas that they're here to learn and experience? And like, how are they here to go grow? Like what's their Dharma? What's their purpose? That's to me, that's the most fascinating subject that I, that I like to get into. Um, so a few of my different consultations are based around that, but for example, like in the, the relationship consultation that you had gotten, uh, you mentioned that I, I start with an, an, an analysis of the masculine and feminine, um, and you know, for the, for the viewers, the way you go about doing that is, you know, each planet, each Rashi sign, nakshatra, those all have, uh, they're either associated with masculine or feminine, you know, and then they also have elemental associations, which correspond as well. So you, you go through and you look at all the pieces of like, okay, so I've got, I've got some masculine pieces here. Okay. I've got some feminine pieces here. Oh, I've got a lot of masculine pieces and not so much feminine. So I can see that this person's going to have a strong masculine energy. Uh, the reason why I start there in a relationship consult, because, well, what is a relationship, but a play between the masculine and the feminine, mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking at a traditional relationship, even, even in like, um, like homosexual relationships, it's still play between the masculine and the feminine. You know, there's still going to be a, a person who is the more masculine type of person and a person who's the more feminine type of person, because those, that's how those things work. You know, the masculine, the masculine, like two masculine energies tend to just try to compete with each other mm -hmm. versus, you know, a, a feminine energy, which tries to receive that masculine energy. So, so in a relationship to me, that's the most obvious place to start is analyzing how are each of these people functioning as an individual? in regards to their masculine and feminine uh, energy, do 
is it easy for them to balance that within themselves? Because some people might have a really good balance of it in their chart. So for them, it's really easy to balance their left brain and their right brain, you know, to get those hemispheres working properly. But other people might have a lot of really feminine energy. So they might be really stuck in the right brain or vice versa. You know, they might have a lot of masculine energy, be very stuck in the left brain. So you need to look at that person as an individual. Then you have to look at like, okay, so how, how do these two individuals interact? And then how do they interact together? How does their synastry, you know, come to point? So then you look at the, what are known as synastry points or, you know, karmic connection points uh, and those, those type of things. So, you know, every consultation has its different area of focus, you know, for different reasons. But again, if there was like, I, I, I do, I, I absolutely, I love giving uh, relationship consultations and things because I, I love talking with couples. I think, I think it's really fun and it, it's a type of consultation I'm good at. Um, but if there was like a, a favorite area that I had to pick, definitely, like I said, the, the path of the soul, the Dharma, like the purpose of why we're here, the karmas we're meant to experience, like how we're meant to grow in our awareness that for me, that's the most fascinating area of astrology, at least currently. But, you know, um, Jotis is vast ocean. And, you know, as, as the years progress, I obviously shift my studies through the different, the different areas, but that's definitely one I think will always be very prominent for me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I can, I, I can certainly recommend, uh, um, the, the couples, um, the couples, uh, chart or the couple session that was, uh, you know, very, very valuable. Um, it definitely was valuable. And, um, I guess, uh, um, and this, this kind of question, which we, we kind of already touched on a little bit, but I, I want to, I'm, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm curious about it and it'll yeah, relate to the next, uh, the next question or I guess the next thing we'll do. Um, so obviously like tropical astrology is a lot of, you know, like day-to-day horoscopes or, um, um, or even, um, a sidereal astrologer I follow Athen Comente does, you know, weekly sidereal. It's not the, it's not the, I, th- I think I, I compared it with one of the medical astrology book, and I think you use the North Indian one, at least with the couples one. Um, but he actually uses kind of the round typical tropical one. It's sidereal. So it's, it's, they're not equal houses, um, or equal signs, but, mm-hmm. um, he, he does kind of the weekly, the weekly version of that. So I guess, um, does does Vedic astrology work for like the day to day and kind of week to week um, stuff like that, um, oh, or is it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You can get down to the like the specific hour that you want to do things, or or even minutes. You know, depending on how how advanced of an astrology you are. Um, that's what like the daily uh, finding the best time to do things. That's what we call Mohurta or Mohurta. Um, so that kind of is uh, an evolution of that kind of first phase of astrology that I was studying is finding the right timing to do things. So yeah, there's lots of Vedic astrologers that they'll do monthly or weekly forecast or daily forecast. Everybody kind of does their own thing. Some people like focusing on, on forecasting more than others. Like I, I do like to do it, but again, like for me, it's, I, I really like looking at the individual. Um, that being said, when I'm doing things like a uh, historical case studies, like one that I'll be releasing on my new channel is like a, a historical case study of like the Berlin wall. So I'll actually take that. And then over that whole 30 year period that was up, I'll, I'll be looking at all the different transits and the things that were kind of like going on during that time period and, and applying that. So, um, yeah, you absolutely, absolutely can apply it for a, a daily forecast or weekly forecast or however you're wanting to do that. That's, that, that's absolutely uh, possible and, and very, very common. That's a, a very normal thing for Vedic astrologers to do. 
Okay, very very good. And then uh, I guess tying in with uh, this this next thing, I guess to to kind of conclude with, I'm sure the the listeners would you know appreciate uh, you know if if uh, if, uh, if you'd be willing to pull up a chart for say tomorrow, November 10th, 2021. And uh, sure. give people an idea of what what you see when you look at the chart, and uh, then maybe even if you could send us like a, send an image of that over, and I'll include it in the show notes too. Um, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'll take I'll take a screenshot and uh, shoot it to you after after Perfect. we get done here, so you can throw that up. Um, so uh, we'll take go ahead and take a screenshot of that now. Okay, so. To start off, uh, you know, first big thing that I'm seeing is that we have uh, both, you know, Saturn and Jupiter and the moon are all going to be in Capricorn. So, you know, that that's going to be a very strong Capricorn energy because Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. So, you know, Capricorn is a sign that's symbolized by the seagull. So it's all about hard work, discipline, focus, getting organized, those type of things. And, and Saturn is the planet that makes us it puts pressure on us. It makes us have to work hard. He, he brings our karmas to us. Saturn's the planet of cosmic law. Uh, so we, so we have that energy going there. And anytime the ruler of a sign is in the sign, it, it really brings out the karmas of both planets. It really it brings out the energy because it's like, you're getting a whole lot of the same seasoning in a dish. That would be mm-hmm. one way to look at it. You know, then we also have Jupiter here in Capricorn where, uh, Jupiter can kind of become debilitated in Capricorn, but where what helps here is that it's actually sitting with the ruler of the sign. So it, it kind of does cancel that out to some extent, but it's it can kind of be a play between two different energies here because you have Saturn, which likes to to put pressure and kind of crush things, and Jupiter Jupiter expands things. So it can sometimes have this feeling for people or like people in the world, they'll ha- be having this feeling of, Oh, I want to get disciplined. I want to expand in my life. I want to grow my awareness. I want to learn this kind of thing. But, oh, I have all these responsibilities of life or, oh, I would like to go out and travel in the world. But, you know, there's this pressure of these lockdowns happening that are keeping me from doing what I want to do. You know, that would be like an example of of how that could play out. And then moon being in Capricorn as well. um, That can be a a good place for the moon. Although the moon's not necessarily always as happy there. Um, because Capricorn's a very serious sign and the moon's a soft planet. It, it wants to enjoy things It's a sensual planet. So, but this can make it to where, you know, collectively our minds, because the, the moon is associated with our mind, um, and our emotions collectively, our mind and emotions would be, getting a little bit more grounded, getting a little bit more down to earth of like, okay, what do we actually need to do to, to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish? So there'll, there'll be some of that, that energy going on, you know, definitely people in their lives will be feeling that, that urge to want to get organized. Now, where they'll be feeling that energy in their lives, that's again, dependent on their chart. You know, if they're a Capricorn ascendant, this is going to be hitting their first house. But if they're you know, if they're a cancer ascendant, it's going to be hitting their seventh house. So again, this, this is just a general over kind of overview with how it's going to apply to you as individuals depends on your chart. Um, the next big thing that I, I see here is that we have, uh, the sun, Mercury and Mars all in Libra. 
So a sun in Libra is what we we tend to call a, a debilitated sun because you think about the sun being the king. Libra is symbolized by the marketplace. So this is like where the king has to go into like the marketplace and deal with like all the normal people. So naturally a king could become like a little bit frustrated there. So, you know, there could be maybe this general energy of, of people <clears throat> feeling like they're not being recognized as much as they want, or they're having to deal with people that they don't really want to deal with. And then Mars and Mercury being combust here can definitely make it to where there might be some, some flare ups or some angry communication. Hmm. So uh, that being said, because Libra is a sign that it deals with communication, relationships, people, all, all that type of stuff. <clears throat> Mars can be kind of our anger and our temper and Mercury's our communication and our intellect. And both of those are combust, which when a planet's combust, it means that it's, it's sitting close to the sun to where the, the sun's brightness because the sun's considered a mild malefic, so it it's because it's so bright, it can it can kind of outshine other things, right? So those things can kind of feel burnt. So when you know the sun's in Libra here, and then Mars and Mercury are both like combust in Libra, it can make it to where you know we as individuals may not feel like seen or heard, or our opinions are being respected. So then there's an angrier communication. So this could, you know, be very, you know, one way this could play out, like within the general context of what we see going on in the world now, you know, is in regards to a lot of the, um, the bullshit that's been going on, you know, that the, that the system's trying to pull with this, uh, with the COVID thing and everything that, you know, people have felt like they've been having to be balanced about things for a while, but they're feeling like they're not being heard or they're getting angry about things because they're like, no, this is not, um, you know, this focus has been so on the collective that we're forgetting the individual rights. So people could start getting frustrated for that because you see like Mars and Libra, Mars is that like soldier. He's that warrior. So when he comes in Libra, this becomes like the soldier that, wants to fight for peace or is like that negotiator, like that type of thing. Like even uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he had, he had his Mars and Libra. So um, you, you can see that it's that, that warrior archetype. So, but again, it, it's fighting for like, what's fair fighting for what's balanced. So, you know, you'll see the energy of people wanting to say, stand up and say that like, no, this isn't okay to just be, pushing all of this over, over everybody in society. Like that's, that's not okay. That's not fair. That's not, we shouldn't all just have to give up our rights or, you know, those type of things. So you, you could definitely see maybe a lot more resistance to what has been going on starting to, you know, that, that can be coming up um, and something that people are feeling. And this is, it, it's worth keeping in mind that we are moving very close to an eclipse. Um, the 19th we have, have one and then uh you know, two weeks after that, we have another an eclipse in Scorpio that's going to going to be a very intense uh, eclipse. Um, you know, something else to look at would be the nodes. You know, Rahu being in Taurus and then K two being in Scorpio. Uh, K two and Scorpio would be the one that I'd really want to put focus on because it's K two is that south node of the moon and it's it's that headless, that headless body of the snake in the mythology. And I won't get too into the mythology now or anything, but it, it represents our intuition, our inner knowing, our higher knowing, like things that we've mastered, those type of things. 
And it's in a sign of Scorpio where it's actually considered to be exalted. So it's all about finding the hidden secrets, seeing what's really there, but doing it through our intuition, doing it through our heart space. So as this big eclipse comes up, this is a massive energy that people are going to be working with and the sun's going to be joining here. So they'll be, and this will be, you know, again in mid December, but that energy is going to really build up to where there'll be a lot of revealing or a lot of people kind of like digging within and then actually finding the truth of things or seeing like where, where the veil was pulled over their eyes, that, that type of thing um, could be seen as a type of energy that, that that's slowly starting to build up now and starting to move into place. Um, You know, and again, Venus, you know, last little placement is that Venus is in Sagittarius and Sagittarius is a sign that it's all about like finding, finding truth finding what's actually accurate. And, you know, Venus is the ruler of Libra where like the sun, Mercury and Mars are sitting. So they're all those planets that are in Libra. Now they're, they're going to be drawn towards that type of thing of finding like the truth in the relationships, like what's actually going on in the world with how we're interacting with the, with each other as human beings. Like what do we actually need to be doing those type of things? So you, you could definitely see there's, some very strong energies starting to build up where there's people are doing a lot of thinking about things. And then because of that, you know, that's when that Capricorn energy comes in afterwards. Okay. So we're seeing these issues. We're seeing these things we need to resolve, but how do we, how do we get organized and disciplined and figure out how to actually take action on those things so we can achieve what we want? That would be kind of a good overall summary of the type of energy that's that we're building up to and, we'll be building up to uh, for like the next month or so. Oh, fantastic, man. That was, uh, that was great. That was great. Much appreciated. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, before I, I, the last thing I want to talk to you about is, is, is kind of what we're doing, what we're doing here at sure. Pasnia with the, the homestead and the self-sufficiency stuff. But before we get to that, I mm-hmm. noticed um, on, and, and you mentioned that you're separate from the Wizard Factory now, but I was looking at the website today to see what other consultation types of consultations and you mentioned Nordic earlier, so it makes me think that this is one that you offered. Um, but uh, um, is that Nine World Rune Reading? Is that uh, is that something that you? Yes, offer? the Nine okay. World Rune yeah, Reading. Can, can you can yeah, you that, can that you actually can you tell tell me new. what that is? I've never heard of that, so um, I'm I'm curious. Sure. So the runes are a scholars will try to tell you they were like the Germanic alphabet, but that's simply just <laughs> them not understanding it from an esoteric perspective. If to be blunt. Um, but when you look at it, there's, I use the elder Futh arc. So the, the older Futh arc, and there are 24 runes split into three sets of eight. And you could look at each of those as, um, tools for the development of consciousness. If you look at all the runes going from the beginning to the end, they, they're built like to be an initiation tool to take a human being and through the learning process, developing like how to, how to survive in the physical world how to develop yourself emotionally and then how to develop yourself spiritually. Those are the different sets of eight. So you, you can look at the runes like that. So each one, much like the planets and the signs has its kind of own essence and meaning and things like that. Then the nine worlds that is based off of what's known as the age Halmer, the helm of awe. And each one of those is associated with a different, uh, level of our psyche. For, you know, so there's like, you know, a conscious mind, a subconscious and unconscious in, in each of these nine worlds. So 
so someone will have a question, uh, and it, you know, similar to the way like a tarot reading would work, you know, and you draw and lay out the cards in regards to the question, same thing with the runes. And I, I draw nine runes and I place them there. Uh, the center rune being Midgard kind of gives me an overall indication of, of the answer. And then all the other worlds kind of let me break down the different pieces, but by seeing like which rune falls in which place, that then allows me an interpretation. So very similar to the concept of astrology where like, oh, if, you know, Saturn falls in the, uh, the sign of Libra, I can then take the qualities of those and draw an interpretation from that. The same thing, same concept with the runes here. So if I have a rune like um, Hagalash, which means like a hailstorm, it's, a, it's all about transformation and destruction and it's kind of a challenging rune and say that falls in the realm of the East in Jotunheim, well, this is a realm that's associated with our ego, our self. So in that context, I could, I could say that, oh, right now you are going through a transformation of self. There is some kind of storm, some kind of uncomfortable thing going on, and that is making you feel pressure that you're then going through some sort of ego death, some sort of transformation that, you know, that would be kind of just a short, brief example type of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just another occult science, another very useful tool. Um, but, but absolutely a wonderful science in its own. And I, I, I love doing those consultations as well. So, uh, I, I do also have a a rune course, but I'll I'll be, uh, because I'm rebranding and things like that, I'll, I'll actually be making a whole new one and then releasing that at at some point. Um, but yeah, nine world rune readings are something that if people are interested in those, um, they can shoot me an email and stuff and uh, I can do those as well still too. Okay. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Um, so I, I, to, to, to finish up our conversation here and yeah, I appreciate all your, all your time t- uh, tonight has been, yeah, been fantastic conversation. Um, so, uh, yeah, what we're doing here at Pasadena self-sufficient homesteads type stuff, uh, you're, you said you were doing something similar. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So me and my family, we have, uh, 10 acres. We're out in, um, a little podunk town out in Kansas that nobody will, nobody will know where the fuck it is, but it, it's out there. Um, but yeah, we, uh, in short, we're, you know, working on establishing a permaculture farm, uh, both with integrating, you know, uh, livestock as well as like food forest and, you know, in those type of different areas. Um, I just got back out to the property after being away for a few years. So we're kind of in the stage of, uh, remodeling a home and getting getting the whole farm up and kind of going again um but but as far as next year i have some projects going of uh i have one pond that i started a few years ago that i kind of i want to dig out make a little bit deeper and that that's going to become like an uh a natural swimming pool type of area mm-hmm. um but also a, a backup water supply because you use the plants to filter all the water so it, it's good quality water and that's a good emergency resource to have mm-hmm. and then i'll also be digging out two other ponds to actually keep um you know like fish and you know things like that and i i have some other little uh projects planned for those as those get established and built um and then we'll probably be uh, incorporating livestock, getting some livestock in the spring. Uh, I kind of wanted to hold off on that this year just so I wasn't having to take care of all the animals through winter. Cause I'm, I'm sure as you know, that can, that can always be challenging sometime. And I've, I've just been very busy this year, but we'll probably be integrating some goats and cattle and, uh, you know, guineas, chickens, turkeys, that type of thing. And then mm-hmm. using, um, using those in a high rotation, so taking the land, you know, splitting it up into say, you know, for example, like acre lots 
and then, you know, rotating the cattle and the goats through there very quickly, letting them like kind of get it down and then move them to the next one. And then you run the birds in after that. So they, they clean up all the bugs, they spread around the manure. And, and after that, you can actually, you know, just continue to build up that organic matter in the soil and get it better and better quality um, as the years go on. So those are like kind of our big focuses for next year is incorporating the livestock and getting, you know, more water sources, you know, swales built. We have a, a bunch of fruit trees that we've got to get planted out and, you know, um, blueberry bushes, blackberries, you know, those type of things. Um, those will be, we're, we're starting on a permaculture force next year with some swales. So that'll be kind of another big project. So definitely a lot going on on that. And, um, uh, we'll actually have a, a channel coming out for that as well. Um, that'll be coming out like sometime, sometime next year as we, you know, get some of these projects like kind of recorded and get some videos edited and, you know, ready to go for that project. But, um, you know, that, that's something in the future people can kind of keep an eye out for if they're wanting to see the, the progress on the farm and stuff. We'll, we'll definitely be sharing that with everybody as well. Um, and, and I'll also put that stuff up on my profile on the One Great Work Network for, for people who can find me on there. Those I'll have all my different channels and type of content in that central location on there to find. Nice. Some some more self-liberational media, too. I'm always always happy to hear about that. Um, well, that's that's awesome to hear, Absolutely. man. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, we've got we've got we've got goats, lambs, um, chickens, ducks and turkeys right yeah. now and a couple of rabbits that you know, hopefully will start breeding soon. And yeah, doing a, a lot of the similar stuff. I tried the I tried the uh, I tried a lot of the, fr the free range stuff for a couple of years with my chickens, but there's just way too many predators. Um, we even had them locked like I even, yeah. I even have yeah. them locked up um, and it, like and it's called the Pasnia bird shanty. Um, but it's 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 just an enclosure mm -hmm. with like chicken fence laid over the top. Um, we even had yeah. rac raccoons kill like six of our birds while that was still on there. So like the predators are so bad in the area that like we could like I, as much as I want to do like the free range, like, they wouldn't the they wouldn't exist. Like they it wouldn't be there if if, if, they, weren't, <laughs> if they weren't locked up. So, sure. Yeah. Like, no, we, I we, I had that same experience um, where I had like uh, in like a two week period I had like a group of mountain lions take out like you know fifty something of my birds at one point. You know, like they just mm -hmm. completely wiped the the whole population out. So there's I kind of learned I have to, you know, you got to keep them safe after that type of thing. Um, but, you know, it's all uh, a learning experience, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, as long as we're we're doing it, we're growing and moving forward. Like, that's the thing that matters. And, you know, again, like but besides the occult and astrology, uh, permaculture and homesteading, that's definitely my next next passion there. Um, you know, and you, and you mentioned rabbits. Those are those are great, great fertilizer too, because you can you just use those as a cold, you know, uh, or as a as a compost just immediately. And I mean, they make they make you can make great teas with it and stuff like that. I used to do that all the time when I had uh, I had rabbits going for for quite a while. That I I have to say that was my favorite thing about having them is having access to all the fertilizer. <laughs> Yeah, there's, uh, there's, I, I guess one thing I want moving on to the homestead, you, you have a different, a different relationship with shit. That's for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the land, it's, it's, big piles of compost. yeah, it's like, oh my, like we've got, so we, we've got, uh, um, a chicken coop that's repurposed for the lambs and the goats. And like the area that they were in, that they spent a lot of time in last year was just obviously full of it. And there's just a big pile of it. And right. you know, I, I get a pleasure looking at it, looking at it every day. Like, okay, we're, we've got a lot of fertilizer. We don't ever have to import that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just, you know, organic matter that's going to increase the soil and the fertility and the, the riches of everything is just processing it and using it properly. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. So um, I, we've been going for, for an hour and 15. I, I, I want to respect your time, not keep you too long, and I've, I've actually got to go eat dinner here here shortly. But uh, um, I guess uh, could you uh, you know plug your sites again uh, and then uh, uh, yeah, plug, plug your work again and uh, where people can find you? Sure. Absolutely, yeah. So in the meantime, like right now, like I said, I am, I am rebranding uh, my website, uh, eyeofthestormastrology.com. I should have that all done and ready to go by my launch date, but if not, it'll it'll be up soon after. Uh, but in the meantime, if people do want to get a hold of me, they can just shoot me an email, eyeofthestormastrology at gmail.com. Um, or, you know, find me on Facebook and shoot me a message. You know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find as far as that goes. Um, and yeah, the, the new channel, you know, I do encourage people, you know, as far as the Wizard Factory goes, we did create a lot of great content on there and everything. Um, so I do do encourage people to go check that out still. there's There's a lot of value there. Um, but as far as me moving forward in the, in the future, the, the new channel, Eye of the Storm Astrology will be where it's at. That'll be on YouTube as well as Odyssey and on the One Great Work Network as well. Those will be the kind of three main places that you can find that. Um, you know, and then I, I share, I share stuff on like my personal Facebook page as well too. So, you, you know, if you add me on there, that, that's also another way to get the content. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Brian, any, any other closing thoughts before I let you go? Any, any, anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with on Vedic astrology? Yeah, just really that, you know, don't, don't ever shun or dismiss a science until you, you've properly studied it and tested it. So if you're a person that you've kind of just thought astrology oh no that's just something woo woo that's that's fake and you're basing that conclusion based off of like the little horoscope you see in the paper understand one that's not astrology it it is a vast science and it takes years of study and research so unless you've done that don't don't dismiss it like be willing to actually look at it with an open mind and be willing to test it because when if you're willing to do that you're, you're likely to be able to find one of the most valuable tools you could ever apply to your life. And I very much encourage everybody to, if they don't want to study and become astrologers themselves, at, at least be willing to find a professional astrologer whose insight that you value and get a consultation from them and see what kind of insight they can help bring to your life. Because it, it might just be something that, that radically shifts the way you look at yourself and your purpose in this world. Yes. Yes. Um, and very, yeah, very, very well said. Um, Brian, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, I've really appreciate it. And, uh, I will, uh, um, I'll have this up here in the next couple of days. I'll, I'll shoot you a link and yeah, you can do whatever, whatever you like with it. Um, and we'll have to get you back on, uh, back I'll on again. Cause sure. as you, as you mentioned, uh, um, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, uh, um, and as we, we both kind of alluded to, um, it's a very, very vast science and we, we really just, uh, kind of, uh, maybe, maybe a, a little introduction to the, to the topic tonight. Um, and, uh, some also, yes. some also more advanced stuff, but, uh, um, all great, all great. I really appreciate it. Um, Brian, uh, anything else before I let you go, man? No, not at all. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. Um, all right, guys, uh, there you have it. Uh, Brian Easterday, uh, a Vedic astrologer. Uh, from Eye of the Storm Astrology, I'll put uh, all, all the links, uh, ways to get in contact with him in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, I definitely do 
uh, definitely do recommend it. And uh, I definitely do recommend, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, yeah, op- if you haven't already, if you're listening to this podcast, you've already done it. But uh, if you're new, new coming across this, coming across this sort of material, um, then yeah, I mean, the, the, I've, I've, one of my biggest uh, revelations over the past year or two is that I'm not quite sure where the bookends of reality actually lie. Um, so until I find those, um, I can't just, you know, outright dismiss things. I have to, I have to investigate, uh, you know, all these things and not just believe people, believe what I've been, I've been told growing up. I've got to go out and verify these things myself uh, as the, uh, the, the great, uh, Bill Cooper, uh, the now late Bill Cooper, um, whose, uh, anniversary is past, past, you know, uh, I guess the anniversary of his death four days ago. Listen, everyone read everything, believe nothing mm-hmm. else you could substantiate it in your own research. And, uh, that's a, a great, great thing to end out on. Uh, again, Paz, uh, com if you want to check out what we're doing here com for everything Vanu and uh, Liberty Attack Publications if you're looking for uh, you know books on uh, uh, you know strategy guides uh, liberation agor- anarchist agorist fiction any of that good stuff um, that is the site for that so thanks guys uh, always remember Vanu is yours for the making and the second realm is yours for the building cheers in truth everybody runs around every day talking about truth and they're trying to get to the truth and they want to hear the truth that's one of the biggest lies I've ever heard in my life Most people have no desire whatsoever to even get within a hundred miles of the truth, and in some instances, that's too damn close. So my conclusion is, most of you are going to get exactly what you're going to deserve over the next who knows how many years. Some of us are going to rise to the occasion. We are going to shine. We are going to shine. We're going to sparkle like diamonds in the sunrise on the most beautiful day that you can remember that you've ever seen in your life. And we're going to do it simply and only because it's the right thing to do. For the human race, for God, for our children, for the future of this world. And it won't matter what happens to each of us as individuals the only thing that will matter is that we rose to the occasion we sparkled we did what was right when no one else would we said what was right when no one else would we spent our money for the right things when no one else would we worked and toiled cause of freedom when no one else would. We took the slander. We took the libel. We took the bullets. We took the prison. We took wounds. We took death. We took whatever was aimed at us. And we will prevail. It may take a long, long time. I may not see it in my lifetime. I may not live to be a part 
of the victory celebration, but I will be victorious. And all of those with me will be victorious. And we will shine. You all stand around and talk about it. We put on the armor of God a long, long time ago.